Hi, so welcome to Dr. C and the D, and I am very, very excited to have today a panel talking about sex, baby, and what it has to do with fertility. So I have Sarah Watson with me, and then I also have Alexa Karbowski. So Alexa is a physician assistant who's been working with me like forever. Forever. And, uh, (laughs) you know, we have little different perceptions of, of how our patients feel about sex during fertility. And so Sarah, you know, we really need your guidance uh, about what to tell our patients. One of the things that we observe is that it's sex on a schedule. And I don't know about you, but when I was trying, we both had fertility uh, issues and I'll tell my experience, you know, I was not a fertility patient per se. I was a recurrent miscarriage. So we were always trying to get pregnant. I think I was pregnant like every year from 33 to 39, like the entire year, um, either keeping or miscarrying. And I'll never forget, we were on Clomid and my husband, I was ovulating and he was golfing and I kept texting him like, dude, where are you? And I, you know, he gets in the bedroom and I got my hand on a watch and he's like, well, that's really sexy. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm ovulating and let's get going kind of thing. So um, that's what I think some people think sex is all about when fertility happens. What about you, Alexa? Yeah, same, same experience, you know, in the beginning, you're kind of like, okay, there's a schedule, it's fine. And it quickly, it quickly takes a toll. That's for sure. So going through it myself and having patients say it all the time, I remember the same thing, like being like, this is time, this is go time. And it it becomes really just like, I hate to say the word chore, but kind of, and I know the patients feel the same way because you're so focused on the goal of becoming pregnant you know, even with my IVF cycle, I was like, my retrievals this day, my husband's like, well, I might have to work. I'm like, no, 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 you don't have an option to work. I need your sperm. Like, <laughs> so it's so it gets so structured and scheduled. And it's, it's really can get, you know, mentally and physically exhausting. And, you know, she lived it, I lived it. And yeah, the patients, they just, they tell us all the time, it's really hard. And we feel for them because we've experienced it. But yeah, I mean, it, it really changes the dynamic, something you never really thought you were going to be going through per se. So So with that information, Mm -hmm. Sarah, help us help our patients have better sex, uh, help, you know, what kind of things can they do while they are on a schedule to make sex awesome again? Yeah, I love I love that question. And I think I hear that a lot from from women that I've been working with that have been struggling with fertility issues too, right? So it's what you're seeing in the office. It's what I'm seeing in the office. I know it's what my girlfriends are talking about when we're talking about fertility. So absolutely common issue, right? So I think the most interesting piece is when they are coming to see you, right? They know what time, right? Mm -hmm. What day? Well, depending on where they are in the process, right? But even when you're on Clomid, like, you know that, okay, it's going to be this day. Mm -hmm. And I would say, well, let's back up a little bit. If they have that information a couple days ahead of time, right? Like, cause it's all scheduled, correct? Mm -hmm. So can they start talking about it? Like, Hey, it's going to be this day. What can we do? That's going to make that enjoyable. How can we feel connected rather than it being a task? So let's just label what it is because Mm -hmm. it's both it's connection and it's task. I want to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Right. But it doesn't have to just be a task. You can create connection with that, but you can't do it like as you're texting 
saying, yeah, exactly. hey, it's time, right? Because they're like, what? Like, exactly. Okay, cool. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes they're not cool. Yeah, like, oh, you're at work. You have to do this. But it's saying a couple days beforehand, texting, having a conversation, asking what they haven't done in a while that could still be fun because it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be without sparks, I guess, is the best way to put that, right? And a lot of times we'll tell patients, you know, especially when it's on letrozole or clomid, um, to have sex every other day, days 10 through 20, because sperm lasts in the cervical mucus up to three days. And so we want to have that sperm sitting there. And that's the other thing. It's like, oh, my God, I got to do it again. Oh, my God. Oh, really? You know, so so I had one I actually had one patient who the husband was very freaked out. He could not get an erection, could not have sex the night of trigger. So she did a kind of a sexy thing, which I thought was cool, is when it was ovulation time, uh, she didn't say a word. She just lit a, can- lit a candle mm, yeah. in mm, the hallway. So when he came home, the candle was lit. No words were spoken, but it was like, okay, candles on, let's go yeah. kind of thing. So, um, you know, are there, are there other things that they could do? Like, like you said, you know, well, I'm assuming different positions, different rooms. Yes, absolutely. Know, yeah, absolutely. I love the sexy candle. In fact, there's a candle that I love from um, Capri Blue that I give to all of my friends. And it's we call it the sexy time candle. Oh. because it's, It smells so good. And I just it's just very uh, to me, at least, or, you know, pretty erotic and, and sensual smelling and uh, love that. I give out the sexy candle all of the time. So that's a nonverbal cue to her partner, right? Not to like spike his anxiety or stress, right? Because that's absolutely going to impact ability to have an erection and or um, uh, finish all of the way, right? The whole point of, you know, getting pregnant there. Um, So the nonverbal cue, but you have to talk about it, right? So it has to come back to communication before you even move to those steps. Because if he's like, nice candle, and has no idea, (laughs) right? Like you got a new candle, right? Or maybe it is like when she wears a certain top or that she makes a certain dinner or because it can be all of these things or it can just be, here's a drink when you get home, whether it's a, a, you know, a non-alcoholic, you know, sparkling water or it's their favorite drink and they sit outside on their patio if the weather permits. And then they know, okay, then it's time, right? So how can we build up to it rather than just being like, hey, let's go, right? But it does come back to communication. Now, now, Alexa, do you think there's a difference in men versus women with sex and fertility? Do you think, I, I tend to hear in my office that the guy, I have two extremes. The guys are all over it. I'm their best friend. When I tell them they could have sex every other day, days 10 through 20, they're like, oh yeah, I love her. And then there's the other guys that are like, oh my God, I mean, this is just a chore. But the women, I mean, I don't, you know, they're, they're so task or do you see a difference in, in desire in, in fatigue with sex? I, I personally see the men struggle a little bit more with the schedule for sure. I mean, the ladies, they may not, it may not sound a hundred percent appealing, but it's like, this is what we're going to do. And usually either they're telling me on the side, you know, I feel really bad for my partner. Like he's really struggling with this. 
to the point where like they can't even get an erection, you know, like they're getting to that point of anxiety, stress, because they know it's go time. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I think sometimes the men, they're either a hundred, the women are kind of like, yeah, but when there's an extreme, it's usually from the guys. And I think in terms of like, yeah, great. Or they're having a really hard time. And then, yeah, the females, you know, they feel for them. It kind of, you know, it makes them sad that like, they're seeing their partner feel so bad if they can't perform. And like, this is the moment, this is the, the, and sometimes in the fertility Friday, I just did, I mentioned, you know, sometimes like we, you know, do an insemination or things for that purpose, because the stress is so overwhelming that I'm like, listen, you know, you covered yourself at ovulation. And if you could have sex in those other days, it's a little more relaxed for you. Cause at least, you know, like you covered it. And then they're a little less stressed. So like, sometimes we do that, not because the sperm looks bad, but just for like anxiety and stress to take a little of that timing off. And then they don't feel as, as pressured. And do you think there's a difference with men versus women with regard to that pressure? And like, what do we tell our guys, Mm -hmm. you know, who feel like they're on stage and, and, you know, they've got to perform. Is there anything that we can do to guide them, you know, because, because men tend to go in their man cave, they don't talk about it. So is there any guidance that you can think of for us to help them not be so anxious? Mm, Yeah. So I hear two things, right? That stress is really high, right? By the time people are coming to your office, most likely they've been trying for a while, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the stress level is already in the relationship. So how can we we reduce the stress and create connection? And also talk about this idea, right? Because if it's every other day for those 10 days, right? Mm -hmm. A lot for anyone. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) what we've all been conditioned to believe is that sex should be spontaneous and it should be this amazing orgasmic experience and it's just going to blow your mind. And that is just not accurate for most of the time. We want those lovely spontaneous moments, but that is not going to happen, especially if you're in a, if you're, you know, been doing this for a couple months. So I'm assuming by month three, you're like, there's stress, there's concern. I mean, I know you all are giving them answers about what's going on, but that's still got to sit on your heart, right? Mm -hmm. So making space for that emotion and having someone that they can talk to about it. Hopefully it's their partner. Maybe it's not, maybe it's a support group. Maybe it's just writing down their feelings and having a shared journal with their partner. Hey, this is what's going on so that you, that they know together that they're working as a team, right? That, and I would normalize it, right? To say if they're, you know, month two or three, that, yeah, you're going to feel stressed. You're going to feel pressure and that's okay, mm-hmm. right? Let's normalize. I think we have to give language um, and normal normalizing emotion because, I find that most um, men don't have the language for their feelings. And mm-hmm. so let's try to put it out there and say, hey, let's talk about it. What do you think this is like for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And give space for that. If that allows in your office, you know, I, depending on how things run, but to say, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And even having her say the same thing. The other thing that yeah. I think sometimes helps is I tell them to have sex, to have sex. You know, yeah. um, like, you know, they, they, a lot of times what happens is they'll concentrate having sex days 10 through 20, and then they wait for the period or the pregnancy test. Yeah. So, you know what, to have sex when you're not ovulating, you know what I mean? And just 
put it to the wind. Or sometimes I've had patients that are so stressed out about it. I'll say, you know what? We don't need to do any fertility this month. Let's take a mental break. And let's just have sex to have sex. When's the last time that happened? And I see both of them rolling their eyeballs like, oh, yeah, right. That is totally true. So, I mean, sometimes that's what I'll do when I notice that there's a lot of anxiety going on, especially if they're younger and they don't have as much of a time limit age-wise, that I say, you know what? That will decrease your stress. That's a treatment, too, is just to reconnect. Yeah, yeah. How can you have fun and find pleasure with each other? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Rather than you must make it here at this time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, even after ovulation, you know, when it's between progesterone and their, their pregnancy test, I say, you know, go ahead and just have sex to have sex and remember what that feels like. So when should we, what are some signs or things that Alexa and my, you know, Emily and Dr. Boudry's my team uh, needs to look for to then think, gee, we really need to send this couple to you, Sarah. Sure. Um, I think when there's probably uh, that emotional shutdown, right? When they've been at it maybe for a month or two, or maybe even on that initial visit, right? What's their history? I, I'm not sure um, you know, I, how, what you're asking on those initial evaluations and, and consultations, but what is their history with sex as a couple, What's their family history? Like, what is there a family? Have they, do they have a kid and they're trying for number two? And this is something totally different. And then where they are and how do you see them connect? How are they at these appointments? You know, are they, are they looking at each other? Are they listening to each other? Is one of them over talking the other? Mm -hmm. What is their communication style? And then what is their physical connection? I mean, not everyone's going to be like holding hands and like lovey-dovey, especially when they're going to see you because I'm sure they're pretty nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think you can, you know, read the body language and see what's going on and asking more questions about what do they understand about what's going on, right? Because I'm sure as it happens in my office, no one walks in with great education, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what do they understand about what's going on with them and how that impacts? Mm-hmm. That, those would be some signs, I think, right away. And what about age differences? Do you think that there's more of a struggle with sex in the 20s, 30s, 40s? Because we're seeing couples, a lot of couples in their 40s. I think our oldest dad was in his 70s. I mean, and then there's erectile dysfunction and, and other issues that we have to deal with and health issues. So um, do you see in your, with the people that we're seeing that there's, more worries or more concerns, the older a couple gets? You know, interestingly, I I don't really think it discriminates. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see it all across the board. I have some older gentlemen that are all for it, easy breezy and others struggle. And I see a lot of younger guys that are struggling just as much, if not more. So I really think it's, I really think it's dispersed. Do you? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I can't say that yeah, it's really specifically in this age group. I really think it's mixed. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that it's in in talking to the couples, the ones who are on very stressful work schedules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the younger millennials, yeah. I think, are the ones that are portraying that they're having a harder time doing this. You know, and and then the opposite schedules, of course, where one's nights, one's days. But but the millennials, they're 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 getting that corporate ladder, and and they're just tired, or they have meetings. So, are you finding just in general any kind of correlation with 
uh, age and sexual difficulty or just what I just said, the, the, the workforce stress, and the work stress life. with that? Yeah, I think it just depends on what's going on in their personal life and their work life, right? Because I, I don't, I see people, um, I've seen teenagers, I, I don't work with teens now, I only work with adults, but I have seen teenagers struggling with pleasure and understanding their bodies, right? Different, different kind of thing, all the way up to people. I think my uh, oldest client right now is probably 69, 68, right? That are struggling um, and they all have such very different experiences. I think when you speak to the millennials, what, uh, yeah, it's climbing the corporate ladder. So that's high stress, right? Low connection, right? They're on their devices because that's how everyone is. When are they relaxing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When are they connecting outside of themselves? When are they in nature? Right. What's that's that point? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. yeah. Nature. Yeah. You know, tree- I've heard of that. Maybe I a think beach. I saw a tree on social media once. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I think I, think I know uh, what it yes, looks like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Someone was standing in front of it with a cool <laughs> selfie. That's a good point, though. You know, to put down the phone. Yeah, I and, and that is a struggle, yeah. right? I, I've had oh, yeah. people make a station. Like, where do you spend most of your time? Okay, make a station in the other room where mm-hmm. you're going to plug it in and leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're taking that extra action if you really need to go to go get it. And that's really, it's a really hard thing to do. It's not easy. I, most of us struggle. I struggle with it myself at times. I struggle as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So any last minute advice for fertility patients in trying to have a baby and trying to make this as, I don't want to say intimate as possible, but what, what would be your key points to share with couples going through the struggle to still make sex enjoyable for them during this process? Yes. Uh, I would really encourage them to go back to why are they trying to have a family in the first place? You know, what is, what is, and that seems like a pretty basic question, but what is it that you're trying to build, you know, as a team, as, as a unit together and writing that down at the beginning of your journey and coming back to that, if you are having, you know, if you're not pregnant by month two, uh, and reminding your, you know, your couple that, hey, this is what we're doing. And this is our goal and that we are still a unit and we are a team and it's no one's fault. I would say that would be something immediately to do as they start their journey with, with you all. The second is to talk about pleasure, right? Like what does feel good? So not making it so, because I, not that I had any fertility issues, but it took us a while to get pregnant. And I was on the cusp of going to take some meds. Thankfully I didn't, but it was also like, okay, it's that time again, but how can I find pleasure in this experience with my partner and make it this connection rather than, okay, here it is. Now I'm going to put my feet up and do all these crazy things to make sure that I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. So continuing to talk about what feels good, what's the goal, how are you connecting with them? And also trying to take a break from it. Don't talk about it every day. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help you at all. It's just going to increase your stress levels. So doing other things that you both find fun, right? That's going to help decrease stress. And what about non-sexual things? Well, sexual, mm-hmm. non-sexual, like what do you think about, you know, saying I love you every day or a touch or like the love languages? I mean, mm-hmm. are those important? Would that help? in people understanding where they're coming from to support. 
Yes, I think absolutely, right? Because the stronger your couple is, then your stress isn't going to be as high. I love the idea of love languages. I would encourage everyone to expand upon that idea. There is a uh, sex therapist, or I'm sorry, sex educator who took that idea of love languages and expanded it to be 18. And it has created, yeah, I'll send you a link. Her name is Ann Hatter Ship. She's amazing because it's not just, there's, there's more than five, right? So how can we expand our language and understanding of each other uh, and using that to um, connect with your partner? Uh, and yeah, non-sexual connection is super important, whether it's just a touch, a kiss goodbye, quality time together, laughing, having fun, right? Like getting out, go for a walk, right? Because without connection, what are you doing? Exactly. Who are you? What's your name? (laughs) Yeah. Where'd you come from? (laughs) All right. Well, very helpful. Very, very great info. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, this is really, I think very, very helpful. It touched a lot of bases. And I think that for uh, listeners out there, I think one, it's nice to know that that they're normal, that what they're experiencing is common. And I really appreciate all your advice of all different ways to keep that connection together. So uh, thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you. you taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jackie, Wisdom and Wellness Podcast is in partnership with the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Yeah, and it's produced by Detroit Moms and researched by my mom, Dr. Kara Kowalczyk. The Wisdom and Wellness Podcast offers several other resources featuring Dr. Kowalczyk, including magazine Wisdom and Wellness. If you like what you've heard, tell your friends and please subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to check us out on the web at www.mifertility.com for more research and resources.